Hallelujah. Can we just send up a praise to King Jesus this morning? Come on, are there any saints of God that just love him today? God, I've come, God, to feel you. But God, before I feel you, I want you to know I'm grateful. I'm thankful, God, for what I feel in this room. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Such a wonderful presence of God is in this room today. Y'all got good music. My hat, that's right. Y'all should be proud of your music. That's good. My hat is off to the entire worship team, the band. I, f I feel you. I, I get it. I, I help with that at home, so I understand. And um, it's just great presence of God. I give honor, firstly, to your pastor and his wonderful wife. I have not uh, known her very long, but I have known Brother Hood uh, for at least almost 10, at least 10 years now. And um, just very, very sincere, has an amazing testimony, and um, I admire their walk with God. I admire the genuine way in which they approach the kingdom of God. It's, it's rare, and um, I am so happy also to be here with my good friends, Brother Bo and Sister Alyssa Dethridge. I love them so much. Good, good friends of mine. And um, thank you, Brother Hood, for the opportunity to stand behind this desk today. Uh, the truth is this, y'all. I'm really just a sinner who happened to stumble into a whole bunch of grace in life. I, I just could have never earned on my own. I'm here because of him. I'm here because he's good. I'm here because he's faithful. I'm nobody special. But my God, he's sure special to me. I love him. I love him. To the beautiful saints of God who've joined me in this room, thank you for being here today. To all you students, elementary, college, high school, and all the in-betweens, I pray that today what I feel in the Holy Ghost encourages you. Um, there is revival in a church like this. We say, you know, uh, there's revival coming, but revival's here. Revival's here. And so I just pray that like an avalanche, it just builds in this city and across this community until the gates of hell break and there is unprecedented revival all across this portion of Nevada and beyond in the name of Jesus. If you just put up with me for a few minutes, I'm a crazy kid from California. Anybody from California in here? Anybody? Oh my goodness alive. Whoa, okay, well, Nevada, I'm sorry. We love you, but you're in the minority. I'm so sorry. Uh, so good to be with you. I better stop gabbing here. I'm going to take you to John chapter 20. I had intended to preach something completely different, um, but in my prayer time this morning, God interrupted what I thought. And I feel the Holy Ghost already in this room going to do a work. John chapter 20. Verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Watch this, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believe. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. And I feel in the Holy Ghost so strong that there are people that came in this room today. And God's not judging you. He's madly in love with you. And he's going to encourage you to do what you have needed to do all along. 
And I am nobody special. Understand that this preacher preaches to myself today. But I feel there's a deep work of the Holy Ghost that's going to happen. I want to preach to you. Let them see your scars. Let them see your scars. Could you put your Bibles down and one more time lift your hands toward heaven. Father, I thank you for the Holy Ghost that's in this room. I thank you for your great people that have gathered in your great name. I pray, God, that today strongholds would be broken. I pray, God, that today somebody would leave encouraged. God, that somebody would leave changed and touched by the power of the Holy Ghost that we feel in this room. Come on, church. I wonder if we could just, right from the start, God, we welcome you into this place. God, do what you want to in my heart, in my spirit, in my family, in my life, God. We welcome you into this place. Clap your hands as you're seated this morning to the King of Kings. He is so worthy. Hallelujah. I want to say before I get started, if this is your first time in an apostolic church or you are new to this, I realize that you may be sitting there thinking we're crazy. But, uh, and I get it, I always tell the students back at home, y'all got to remember, some of us have been raised in this, but if you're brand new to this, I'd walk in and see people jumping and shouting and screaming and what in the world is going on. But what's funny is if you look across social media and any type of media in the world, you can see that they'll put some pop star on a stage or the Super Bowl and people painting themselves looking like all kinds of crazy and that pop star don't give a lick about them but the King of Kings enters the room and I'm sorry I can't stay quiet when I think of who he is and what he's done for me so I know I know we're a little weird it's okay you'll you'll get used to it hopefully and if not we'll still love you just you don't have to be weird whatever you want to do um, I feel that there is a stirring in the spirit. I was, as I said, interrupted in my prayer time today on behalf of this church. This is my first time preaching in this church. Um, and there is a spirit of expectancy in this place. I don't say that lightly. I know that is very cliche, but I don't just say that. I really feel that there is, uh, there is something that is on the brink of transpiring in the spirit world on behalf of this congregation. And I want to be a part of that. Amen. One cannot deny the day and age in which we are living. And by that I mean one cannot deny that things that were considered abnormal, abstract, and even taboo uh, 10, even 5 years ago are now, as they say, it's who we be, it's who we are, it's, it's, it, it's our society, and it's considered normal, and, and just tolerate it, and don't push back, and I know that society is in trouble, I know that racism, and hate, and all kinds of evil are running rampant in our society, but I came to remind this church that you are the church triumphant, you are God's people, he calls you royal he calls you chosen and it's gonna be all right we're not just gonna make it through the pearly gates by the skin of our teeth we're going to march through those gates triumphant as a church on fire with souls upon souls upon souls that have been saved by the power of this holy ghost but as i look across society and the, the gender identification issue that is so prevalent among teenagers and even children now. And, and it's as if everybody is on a quest for something that is just real. Cutting is one of the leading ways. It's the new drug among, are you ready for this, ages 8 to 15. I've dealt with three cases of this in our church this year alone. And I sit them down and I tell them what's going on. And they look me in the eyes with tears streaming down their face. They say, Brother Drew, I, I just want to feel something. And so they turn to pain. And, and then that leads to drugs and, and alcohol abuse and all kinds of perverted lifestyles. And though knowing this and seeing this, it would be easy to hunker down and just hope that we make it. But if they're searching for something real, 
All I can tell you is in this book, I have found something real. I have found life worth living. I promise you, every last one of you, you look good in your dress. You look cool in your suit. You look cute. But underneath all that, we would be a mess if we didn't find this truth and we hadn't found the love of God and this way called Acts 2.38, repentance and baptism in Jesus. Hey, it still works. The Holy Ghost still changes changes lives and if you're wondering what the Holy Ghost is the Holy Spirit you can call it whatever you want it is literally the spirit of a God who loves us so much that he says I love you so much I don't just want to stand beside you I want to live inside of you and he comes and he dwells inside of us and it, it literally changes our lives forever and so, and so knowing this, and, and as you children and teenagers and uh, 20-somethings head into college or high school, or maybe you're going to middle school, or maybe you're a parent, you've got kids that are, that are graduating, it would be easy to, to just worry and to live in this constant state of, oh my God, what are we going to do, and, and should I homeschool, and what do I do if, if the homeschool doesn't work, and I've, I've heard the stories, I've, I pastor young people, I understand the concern. But I want to tell you that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if he's living inside of you, you're going to be okay. And furthermore, though this is a perverse day and age, I'm, I'm sorry. There's a lot I don't know. There is so much I don't have figured out. And if you're looking for flaws, you'll find them in me. But one thing that I know is this. We are, I am not of the camp that says this generation will not make it and they won't see end time revival because not everybody's compromising and not everybody's sold out and not everybody's left. I am not of the camp that says they'll just have to hunker down and us four no more and us four may make it or not into the kingdom of God. No, we are the church. Young people, you listen to me. You're the church triumphant. Believe what he says about you. Believe what he speaks over your life. You're going to be okay. I remember one time, if you know Brother Booker, he's an esteemed elder among our ranks, and everybody knows him. And what's funny is he just, he's just his own kind of guy. I, I don't know. If you know, then you know, and I'll just leave it there. And so I'm, I'm driving with him, and he had just, we had both, I was preaching for him. We both flew into LAX, which if you know that Jesus may not love you if you have to fly into LAX or even through LAX. And so we both flew in together. We get in the car, and he's got about 35, you know, pillows propped up around him that he drives with, and he's got this, like, crank steering wheel, and he's driving. We're talking, and I, I'll never forget this. I look at him, and I say, you know, um, Brother Booker, what, what do you have to say? And, and I'm, think, like, I'm thinking I'm going to get this real deep theological answer from him and oh you know this will be good this will help me and I said what do you have to say about people and naysayers that say this generation is just compromising and letting go and we're not gonna make it uh, there's a large number of people that just kind of are under this mentality that I guess we're just gonna kind of survive and God forbid we thrive among Philistines but that's a whole other message for another time and, and it's like they, they just have succumbed to this ideology that will just barely make the mark and I said so so what do you have to say to that what is what is your outlook and he looks at me and he goes uh, you, I love him I'm not making fun of him he goes uh, you know Bob you gotta remember God always saved the best for last I know you're a student, and I know your brats are just in elementary school, and they may run in church, and it embarrasses you, but honey, I just want to remind you, God always saves the best for last. You're going to be okay. There's going to be revival. There's going to be breakthrough on our high school and college campuses. They're going to fill the seats of this sanctuary, people from your school, people from your community. That is not, however, to say I am not so novice as to believe that we have paved this trail on our own. I stand in reverence of those, uh, and I say this respectfully, the gray heads who have gone before us and pioneered the trails that we so fruitfully enjoy this day and age. And I, I am grateful for that. 
And I'm not saying that we're any better, but I do believe that there is revival yet to be had among the millennials, Generation X, and, and we could go on. And, and I'm, I'm just convinced of that. Knowing all of this and living in this hour, we as the people of God, I believe, and as a generation, we feel now more than ever a responsibility and ownership to share and to seek out a lost world. It is up to us. Apostolic Revival Center, you want to know what the key to your city is? Point to yourself. Look yourself in the mirror every morning. You are the key to your city. You are the difference. You are the, pr the answered prayer. You're the person who's going to be the difference in somebody's life that they've been praying for. But I fear... And I, and I understand that I preach to myself today when I say this. I do not say this in a spirit of judgment, but I feel we should be privy to the, the devices of hell and the enemy against us. I fear there are times we are falling short and that we have, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about this specific church. I'm talking about a, a, a Pentecost at large. We have the truth that can set humanity free, yet I feel there are two areas in dealing with young people and their issues. And I've come to reach for some young people today that you're struggling with your past and you're, you're struggling with not feeling worthy and, and you're struggling with a label that was put on you, a diagnosis by somebody you sat on their couch and they put a label on you and now that's what you think you are for the rest of your life. And all the while, the truth and the fire that can literally change our world is burning on the inside of us. But there are two areas that I see, and that is number one, that oftentimes we become comfortable with where we're at. You go to a great church. It's a revival church. This building's almost full. We could be satisfied with where we are and sit back and it would be good. But God did not call us to be good. He called us to be great. He said, greater things shall ye do. So if God's calling me to be great, whatever I need to sacrifice, whatever realms of discomfort I need to set aside in order to see the will of God come to fruition, then God, here I am. I'll step outside of my comfort zone. I'll tread upon the uncharted waters of my faith because I want revival. I want to see souls saved. I want to see hearts changed. And if you're entered into this room today and you say, what is he talking about? Understand that the pieces of our life that we all carry that are broken and, and that we can't figure out. If you came into this room today and you're putting on a good front for everybody, but inside you are broken. Understand that we serve a God who literally obsesses with making broken things beautiful. How dare we limit Calvary in thinking that I'm too messed up, I'm too busted up, you don't know what I've done. I've done drugs and I've been this and I've done that and I used to be on the street. God doesn't care about any of that. He says, how dare you limit Calvary? I died for those sins so that you can walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we become comfortable. The second thing, and this is what I want to hit on today. I feel that oftentimes we live in intimidation. We feel as though, and listen to me, we feel as though our past has left us scarred. And somehow, we become mentally frozen into believing that because of that scar, we will never see the promises of God come to fruition in our life. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want to say from the start of this message today that just because you see people that sit on these pews in a suit and a nice dress does not mean that there's not a story behind that, okay? So understand that. And I want to say this. There are people sitting in suits and nice dresses today 
that if we could look at the contents of our heart and mind, we would see that we're actually broken and we need things like, like healing over those scars to wash over what somebody did to us. I feel the Holy Ghost when I say this. Somebody did to you as a child and you carry that memory and it haunts you because you feel like you can't get past it. And every time you go to take a step of faith and every time you go to recover and every time you go to, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take this step, the devil reminds you of what somebody did to you, what you did to yourself, and it's like a scar, and you keep hacking at that scar, and it keeps bleeding, and it keeps bleeding, but God, the healer, is in this room today, and you know what he's wanting to do? He's wanting to heal those scars. Hallelujah. We become intimidated. God gave you anybody with a testimony in this room today. Let me see your hand. Don't you ever be ashamed of that testimony. Let me tell you something. Just because you, guess what? Newsflash, church kids have testimonies too. I was a 17-year little punk brat kid. I was on my way to a devil's hell. Believe me loud and clear. I sat on a pew, but God turned my life around. There came a crossroad in high school. I said, I'm never going back. I'll never be the same. God can change you. I don't care how far you are today. I don't care how far you feel today. I don't care what they said about you. I don't care what the haters say about you. You're not too far for the hand of God. This intimidation cripples us into a place where we become exactly that, frozen into believing that this is the way it's always going to be. And in the meantime, there's a world that is lost, and I know it's not popular, but if I believe in heaven, my, my, uh, my, the knowledge of what I know about heaven also leads me to know that in all sincerity, I must believe that there is a hell. And I know that is not popular, and I'm not, I'm not judging anybody into hell today. Please understand where I'm coming from. But there is a world that is on their way to a sudden destruction if something doesn't change. And I believe the change that we're looking for starts with you and I in this room today, believing that God can actually use us, and God can actually take our life and make a testimony. What was a tragedy, he makes a testimony out of it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And what I love about God is God's not, we're so picky and choosy about who we're going to go to and hang out with and associate with. And, well, they, they hurt me, and I, so I can't go to them. And they, as a society, we, we have these, all these little subcultures and people separated by all kinds of insignificant things. And what's cool about the God we serve, he don't care. He just says, I just, I just want you to love me, and I promise I'm already loving you, so you might as well love me. He just wants to live inside of you. Understand, if you walked in this place today and you have never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, understand that there's a God who is not judging you but loving you so much, he wants to love you back to life. He doesn't want to leave you the way you've always been. He wants to change you from the inside out. And so having this commission, having this call upon our lives, how much are we willing to lay down? David said, I will not sacrifice unto the Lord that which cost me nothing. What I have found is that the God we serve always rewards according to the measure of one's sacrifice. My question for us today is how far are we willing to sacrifice? How much will it really cost? How much pride will we lay aside to show a world in need? That these are, if you've got a testimony, that testimony, what, the way I want us to think about the things that have happened to us in life is that we need to happen to the things that have happened to us in life. And so if you've got a testimony today, understand that that's like scars on you. I was broken but he put me back together, and I don't know how he does it, but these are my scars, 
and I've got my scars and they've healed now and they, they don't bleed anymore and, but, but the scars are still there and you know the reason why I love a scar the reason I love a scar is it heals but the wound will heal it will stop bleeding but that scar never goes away you will have it the rest of your life. And what I believe God is commissioning us as a church to do is to show our world, these are my scars. This is what I have been through. This is what I have faced. And I made it. God kept me by his grace. I should have been dead, but he saved me. I should have died out there, but he kept me. I should have been strung out. I should have been messed up. And I've got the scars to prove it. But oh, God was just that good to me. God just kept loving me. God just kept reaching for me and that my friends is why I love him I love him because I've got scars I love him because I've made it over and I'm thankful for my scars I turn your attention now to the story of Rahab this is a beautiful story of God making something broken beautiful Joshua is trying to overthrow the city of Jericho and sends two of his own spies to check on the strength of the city. The two spies, some of you know this story, hide themselves in the house of Rahab, who, by the way, her name interpreted in the original Greek literally means town harlot. That she was a harlot. Rahab promises to keep their encounter a secret if she if they will make her a promise. These two spies from Israel, that Israel needs to invade the city. They know God's going to, and, and, and she, they, she gives them insight and information. But she asks of them one thing, and we pick up in Joshua 2 and 12. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt upon the wall what's important to understand about her letting them down through that cord is it was actually a way of hiding what was really going on for that scarlet cord without going into too much detail with children in the room today literally meant that the business in which this harlot conducted was open and that scarlet cord literally signified who she was and what she was there to do. Therefore, it would have not looked out of place in a situation like we've just read. And what brings me to tears literally every time I read the story of Rahab is if you know the end of this story, you know that this was Rahab the harlot. Those spies could have made a deal with anybody in that city. What's interesting to me is the God of heaven knew who they were going to go to and didn't stop them. God wasn't, not, God wasn't concerned about the reputation of those two spies because he knew harlot, drunk, townsperson, we're all sinners saved by grace. So he just went ahead... If it's a harlot he's going to use, God will use a harlot. I just want to remind you, you're not too far for God to use. You're not, you are not too far. The Israelite spies then return to Joshua and decide to invade the city of Jericho. Hence, they begin to, as we know, the infamous march around the city. Taking you now to Joshua 6 and verse uh, 15. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only, watch this, only Rahab the harlot. The Bible doesn't cover up who she was. Because the Bible is not concerned about who we used to be. He's concerned about what he's making out of us. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. 
she and all that are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers we have sent. Skipping to verse 21. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into, here it is again, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her. Let me just pause right here and tell you, God is not slack. I feel this in the Holy Ghost today. There are some promises that have been laid on altars, old altars that some of you have built, and they are just about to die because we fail to realize that the God we serve is not slack concerning his promise. Jericho may be falling all around you, but you need to understand that the God we serve is not slack. If he told you he's going to save your kids, and he told you you're going to pack this building out and then have to by one three times it's going to happen you trust God even when the walls are falling you trust God even in the middle of your mess you do what God requires of you today Rahab just cooperated she could have said no 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 I can't do that I've already got a bad name in this town but no there was something in the heart of Rahab she cooperated. You do what God requires of you today, and he will protect you. You hear me? Mama, you understand. You understand what I'm telling you right now. I know it seems like those babies are a long way off, and I know it seems like you're never going to see them come home, and I know you've been praying that prayer of healing for a long time, but I come to tell you, you just do what God requires of you today, one foot in front of the other, and someday Jericho will fall, and you'll look around and say, my God, how did I make it? I've got my healing. I've got my answer. You're you're gonna be okay. And they burnt the city with fire, verse 24, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron, and they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Yes, my friends, on a Sunday morning, God really did save a little harlot. The harlot is literally the hero of the story. I pray to God that our churches become a place that we look as, as people come in in all kinds of different ways and we say, misfits, welcome in this place. If you fit nowhere, you fit here. If you haven't been loved out there, you'll be loved here. I don't care what you come from. Gay, straight, lesbian, transgender, we'll work with you. God will help you. Drug addict, alcoholic, messed up, pervert. I don't care where you, God will save you. God will help you. And in the meantime, we're going to love you. Let this church be a place that misfits are welcome. What was Jesus on the cross? You want to talk about a misfit? He didn't belong there. It is important to remember Rahab's cord was previously used to signify her occupation within the community. Hence the color red. I wonder the amount of shame she must have felt as she knew that what God was requiring of her was going to cost her something. And now they have to see. Let the cord down. We can't get out, Rahab. What do you have? Where's a rope? I don't have a rope. How do we get out? She, she reaches over. Just imagine for a minute that she just lets that rope down and it's just, it's pulling. She's like, my God, you don't know. They're going to think you were with me. They're going to they're think all kinds of stuff. But this is what God's requiring of me, and I must cooperate. And so she lets the cord down. The rest is history. I wonder how she felt as... The children of Israel marched around the wall. And they looked and, oh, you know who lives there? You know what she does? 
You know hers will be the first house to fall. It's funny how we think we can write the stories of people based on judgments and assumptions we have about them. But what we don't see is God doesn't see like we see. And he's going to make them beautiful. And, and here's Rahab. She's just, she's just cooperating. She doesn't see. She doesn't know. For all she knew, they could be lying to her. They, they, there was no, she did not know them. There was no history. And there are some of us today that because you don't know everything yet, I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost, there are realms of the unknown that are causing you to literally freeze in a moment called the will of God, and you're going to miss it if you don't say, you know what, God, I may not know, I, I, I realize I've got trust issues, but one thing I know is I can trust you, so I'm going to cooperate, I'm going to do what I need to do, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just, I'm just going to trust you enough, even when I can't see you, even when I can't feel you, I'm just going to do what I know I need to do. I take you back to John 20, the story of Thomas the doubter. He says, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then Jesus walks into the room and I want you to imagine this. This is what God wants us to realize as a church, and this is what I want to drive home today. All of these, this knowledge that we have of God can use you and make you and, and take you to a different, is so good unless, it, it, it's, it's nothing though unless we get this. And that is, we will be scarred by those things. There are certain memories that you will have for the rest of your life. I tell people all the time, I love young people too much and I love people too much than to sit and tell them something they want to hear that will damage them later. There will be certain things that you have the rest of your life, but what you have to remember is that God is going to use that on a level. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God is going to use that on a level you literally never dreamed. You never dreamed. You thought it would break you. You thought that you would live under that label the rest of your life. And what you need to realize is that God is going to take those scars, those things that hurt us, those things that have placed us in situations that we wish we could erase. And so Jesus walks in the room, and he's just God. And here's Thomas. Let's think of our world like Thomas today, just looking for something real, full of doubt, full of worry. And here's Thomas, and he's, he's broken, and he doesn't trust, and he, he, he's just looking for something he can believe in. And the God of heaven walks into the room, and he's not ashamed of Calvary. Thomas, come here. Reach hither thy finger. And Thomas knows in that moment that Jesus knows everything he said. And Thomas reaches that finger, that hand, and he puts it into the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. What did that moment feel like when he just felt, oh my God. For the first words out of Thomas's mouth are, my Lord, my God. I wish we were shouting and running, but I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. There are some of you living under a label that you think is just that. And what you need to realize is it is your testimony. And you're, there are things that you're going through right now, and it's cutting you. I feel the hodoboshatai. It is cutting you like a wound, and it's deep. And you've had to have surgery, spiritual surgery, because you don't trust anymore. And you've seen too much to believe that God can actually do what he says he's going to do in this city and in your community. And you've just seen too much. But you come to church, and, you, and we just, we're so good. I'm preaching to me today. I understand. We're all guilty of but we come to church and we just put on a, oh yeah everything's fine and inside we ha- we don't even have faith anymore that God can do it and all the while there's these there's these wounds and every time we allow bitterness and and doubt it's like a scab that we just scrape off and it begins to bleed but that's all we know to do because that that scab will start itching you believe me that scab's going to start the part of the healing it will begin to itch and you'll be tempted to pull it off but if you'll let that heal i promise you one day the scar won't go away but it will heal and this preacher today I look over my life 
It would be easy to look at me today standing before you behind this desk in a suit and think that I have never felt pain. And I have never doubted. I have never been afraid. But I would be the fool to claim that to you today. In the moments of my life when pain and doubt and what the devil had for me, students, you listen to me, what the, de the devil has plans for you, but you don't forget God's plans in the meantime. And there have been moments where what the devil had planned for me left me so broken and, and so messed up in areas and, and trying to figure out, God, what are you doing? And there were moments that I watched life, things I didn't understand. People walked away that I never expected. And somehow there I am standing in the wreckage. And I'm literally, my skin spiritually is hanging in ribbons because of the attacks of the enemy. But I'll never forget times. To be honest with you, it was not in conferences where there were cool lights and a neat opener video and all kinds of big names on a stage. It was moments at just the altar in my home church or by my bedside that somehow this knucklehead of a teenager who was headed down a path so dark found a place in God that I said, God, I trust you enough to heal my wounds. And I watched, not because I'm good, but he's just so good to me. As the Savior just, he just etched like a, like a needle and thread. He closed the wounds. And, and it hurt because even some of you are healing and you don't even recognize that you're healing because you're hurting. And what you need to know is that's like an infection that's bubbling to the surface. It's been so deep inside of us for so many years. We hate people we didn't even realize we hated. And where is this coming from? But it's like an infection that God's bringing out of you because one day there's going to be a day you look down. And the wounds and the blood that you see today is simply just going to be a little mark. Just... And you know why that'll never fade? You know why the God of heaven made sure his scars were mentioned so vividly? Literally to the exact placement of where they were on his body. You know why he makes such an effort? So that we can look at a world and show them, these are my scars. I'm, I'm not perfect. I've fallen, but I got back up again. I've made mistakes, but I found myself. What did it feel like? I'm hurrying quickly to a close. What did it feel like to poor, broken, doubting Thomas to touch those worn out, mangled hands? So this is, this is what mercy, this is what mercy feels like. This is what a second chance for me feels like. What is a scar to you today, saying of God, listen to me. If you're visiting and you're scarred today, people have hurt you. There are people in this room, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say this. There are people in this room that people that should have loved you, they, they did the dance of life and dropped you. And now there are hands that are trying to love you out of who you could be. And you live your life distrusting because somebody dropped you. Never realizing that that's just a scar and you're going to. What is a scar to you is hope for somebody else. Not a one of us would sit with breath in our lungs today were it, were, were it not for a pair of nail-scarred hands that bought my salvation. If you're here today and you're in need of redemption, if you're here today and maybe you found redemption but you desperately need a change, I tell you in the most honest way that I can tell you, I know these are just words. You don't know me. You have no reason to trust me, and I understand. But if I could be transparent with you, I would tell you that you have no idea what this preacher could have been today had it not been for a God 
who just let me find some hope in his scars. And so, today, when I see people and they've got scars, I don't look at them as victims. They're heroes. Because their story, your story, your testimony, everything you've been through, everything the devil tried to throw up against your family, God is going to use as a testimony in this city. You hear me, Sister Pam? There are people in this city that God can't, your pastor can't reach them the way you can. Your pastor's wife can't do it all. There are people in this city, you've got a story, and only you can relate to them on a certain level. Let them see your story scars let them see your scars I'm fixing to close this out but I want to read to you a story the trunk is dusty and beginning to fade from the hot sun of the desert an adolescent boy finds himself captivated by the old trunk that has never opened you see he has great trouble believing that the one true Yeshua is actually real and can honestly do all that Grandma says he can. Whenever he asks Grandma if he can see inside the trunk, big tears fill her eyes and she responds as so many times before. Maybe someday, son, when, when Grandma's ready, she was never ready. Time and life begin to pass and the young boy matures and begins to have a wandering eye. He wishes to depart from his own people with hopes of prospering in what grandma calls a strange land. Grandma tells him never to stray from the safety of Joshua and the tabernacle. But as time passes, he finds himself drifting further and further from the safety of his beloved Yeshua. What was so special about Joshua anyway? He thought of his now stooped and gray-headed leader. Why does grandma love him so? Questions flooding the young boy's mind. Why did his crazy family help carry that big old box everywhere the tabernacle went? That gold heavy box. Why do they do that? Why is grandma always the loudest when making her sacrifices in the temple? Are these people crazy? Surely there must be more to life than all of this. Yet, no matter the questions he had, or how far he strayed. He always found himself back in the safety of Grandma's tent. There was peace there, and he felt as though everything made sense when he was with her. He remembers the day he snuck back into the camp after venturing out too far in search of one of those young, beautiful women from AI. I can't get caught, he thought, as he stumbled, eyes heavy with sleep, into the only safe place he knew. Grandma was asleep, and he must not wake her. Tomorrow he would have to explain why he was in her tent and not with his own family. But for now, he just needed to sleep. He was so tired. He falls into the corner, nearly busting his head on that dumb trunk. Why doesn't she just get rid of this thing? He notices that his hand is resting on the now broken latch of the trunk. It's open. I wonder what's inside and why Grandma won't talk about it. Well, at least I don't need her key to find out. He gently lifts the creaking lid. I'm being too loud. I'll just wait until the morning. There's nothing but junk in this old box. Grandma would open it if there was anything of value. I would know about it if there was anything that was worth it. But as his hand touches something, he realized it is long and rough and winds gently around his hand. Oh no, this thing is infested with snakes. But this snake did not move. What is this? The young man pulls and keeps pulling. How long is this thing? He wonders as the cord pulls in his lap, pulling and pulling, and then crash! He reaches the end as the cord knocks the trunk over. I've sealed it now. The boy thinks as he hears pounding footsteps. And Grandma comes bursting into the room, her lamp in hand. What are you doing? 
Grandma demands as she takes in the entire situation before her. She squints in the dim light. What are you holding, son? Oh, Grandma, I, I can explain. I, I just needed a place to sleep tonight, you see, and I wanted to just curl up over here against that old trunk, but she cuts him off. You're holding my, my cord. What cord? This is just an old rope, the boy exclaims as he watches his grandma's eyes fill with tears, as they so often did when he asked about the trunk. Why is it red, Grandma? The boy asks as big tears now drip from Grandma's eyes. She sits him down and begins to tell him of a time when she herself questioned and even served in the camp, other than the ones who worship the one true Yeshua. Grandma was like, she was like, son, those old, those women from Ai who, who catch your eye. No, not you, Grandma. Yes, you see, Yeshua brought me a mighty long way, my boy. I, I can't explain it, but all I can tell you is that this cord saved my life, the life of your daddy and the life of many of your cousins. You mean you were one of those kind of women? I was until he found me, son. Grandma tells her story of the spies and how she hid them, how God spared her. After her story is over, Grandma clutches the cord close to her chest. I'm not proud of this cord. Just thankful for it. What are the scars of today as we stand across this place that are going to affect these students tomorrow? What story today is God writing across the canvas of your life? And painfully, it's been etched in areas, and there are areas that it's seemingly just and all the while, there's a world outside of these walls that is literally begging, desperate for what you and I have in this room. Your scars, as they begin to play, your scars will heal. But don't you ever. Not one time. Don't you ever be ashamed of those scars. Because you know what the God of heaven is leaning over the stairway saying today. I just wish you'd let them see your scars. The testimonies, the pain, the hurt, the stuff you never thought you'd get through, the stuff that you thought would kill you, and it's left you with scars. Those scars are now their hope to your community, to your city. As we leave this service today and we go out into our community, our children return to school. Maybe you're going back to high school, going back to college, wherever you're going. Understand those scars are there for a reason. God did not save you to just prop you up like a relic of religion. By the way, religion does not save people. I do not believe, you can, you think I'm crazy. I don't believe in religion. I believe in a life-changing encounter with a God who loves us on a level that we cannot even possibly fathom. And the beautiful thing is, he is in this room today. And if you've got wounds, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you've got wounds and they're bleeding and you're hurting today, these altars are open to you. Maybe it's hurting and maybe you're broken and maybe there's some things that you know you need to get fixed. Come on, we don't have long, but I just want us to lift our hands across this place. Let God heal those wounds. And they'll heal, but there'll always be a scar. But if you let them see your scar, you'll see why he kept them there. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, as they begin to sing. Come on, let the Savior heal you today. Let the Savior touch you today. Come on, in this house. Come on, lift it up right now. let him heal those scars come on you've been scarred you've been hurt i know people left you that should have loved you i know people pushed you that they should have held on to you but those scars are there for a reason come on across this place come on church i need you to kick in right now if you've got people you know that they need a healing come on and pray for them 
Bind together. The Holy Ghost wants to work in this house today. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trust him. Trust him enough to let him heal those scars. Come on, trust him enough. Trust the unseen hand of God enough that he would heal those scars. Come on, let's bind together, church. If you know how to pray, I want you to tap in right now. There are real needs in this room. There are real needs in this room. I need you to tap in, church. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Sure. 